This is the Ivy Retirement Podcast with Peter Laufenberg from the Ivy League Advisory Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Peter provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is the Ivy Retirement Podcast with Peter Laufenberg. Hello, and welcome back to the Ivy Retirement Podcast. My name is Peter Laufenberg from the Ivy League Advisory Group. If you'd like more information about what you hear during our show today, give us a call at 866-360-2724 or visit us online at theivag.com. And while at my website, click on the podcast page to check out our past shows and to subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. And please don't hesitate to reach out with any questions that you may have or set up a face-to-face or virtual meeting with us um, to start exploring some of your retirement thoughts. You know, when we think about retirement, it's easy to get caught up in thinking about our individual roles and individual savings, right? I'm putting money away uh, in this account. I'm putting part of my salary away. You have a company match. But for millions of Americans, retirement is truly going to be a joint venture with a spouse. And with that in mind, on today's show, I just want to talk about how uh, my thoughts on how couples should prepare for retirement and also some mistakes that they should avoid. But before we dive into that, I want to welcome in my host, uh, co-host, Tony Shore. Tony, how are you today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thanks for asking and thanks for having me on the show. But you know what? I do feel like summer's slipping away from us. So I'm trying to cram as much, <laughs> get as much done outside and enjoy outdoor activities as much as possible uh, before we I, lose I, the ability. I hear you. I mean, here, uh, the fall is in the air without a doubt. I actually created a, a to-do list titled things to do before it snows. And, and I know it's the end of August, but you know, I, I'm already starting to think about the fact that the seasons are changing and we have to get a lot of stuff done. So, yeah. uh, but I don't want to let go of summer either. So it's kind of a weird period of time, right? Well, I've seen blizzards in October, so there's no time <laughs> hey, like the present, right? I've gone trick-or-treating in snowsuits before, so... Yep, you and me both, buddy. <laughs> yep. You and me both, yep. Uh, bundled the kids up in snowsuits. I, I used, I've done that myself, and, yeah. and my kids have. So, uh, But that's good, and you know what? This topic, I'm intrigued by what you have for us today, and not just from a financial perspective. I mean, I, I can see how easy it would be to think of retirement as an opportunity to do more of the things we like to do. And whether it's golfing, fishing, traveling to the places we like best, uh, visiting various pizza buffets. Uh, But as you said, many people will have a spouse during retirement. So that means you have to build that plan as a team, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly right, Tony. If you have a spouse that you're going to be spending retirement with, you're going to de- need to do a lot of planning, right? There's there's the potential uh, of houses, kids, vacation funds, college funds, uh, inheritance to think about. Certainly planning around these kinds of topics have to be done together. And that's where I want to really start is discussing looking at the big picture goals. Yeah, and it's always good. That's a good idea. I had a feeling that's where we would start. Obviously, everybody is going to have a few things that are very important to them, and everybody's situation is different. But getting on the same page about your goals with your spouse will make the rest of the planning process that much easier, won't it? 
Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tony. You know, these conversations about the future are very important because they're going to lead, you know, potentially to some surprising revelations. For example, once you start these conversations, one spouse may dream about retiring as early as possible, while their partner may be very happy with their job and would like to continue on for a couple more years. That's going to change the 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 decisions that go into retirement or, you know, one spouse may have a, a dream of traveling a lot and, and spending a lot of time away from home in the retirement. Yet the other spouse, you know, their dream, the retirement dream is really play, uh, doing stuff in the garden and playing golf and, and, and visiting the grandkids down the street. You know, if you don't talk about these things and at least have a baseline understanding of what you and your spouse individually want to do, it's going to be very hard to create an overall plan for the both of you. Yeah. Yeah, and I think most couples are probably more than happy to find that common ground, and that's why having that open conversation before you retire, I think, could make a world of difference. Yeah, absolutely, and certainly everyone needs to have their own individual uh, goals and plans, but of course, you know, doing it and understanding what your spouse wants to do is going to be key, and probably as listeners have guessed, the next step beyond having that conversation about the big picture is also starting to save money and doing it together, right? Because we're going to have to finance retirement and your retirement plans. In strict terms, when we talk about retirement savings, you know, it is going to be done in individualized accounts, right? Because all of these types of accounts, whether they be IRAs or Roths or 401ks, they all have to be owned by an individual. Um, That's the way they are in a tax code. They can't be jointly owned. But that doesn't mean that the decisions that go into funding those different accounts shouldn't be done on on a joint basis, shouldn't be done at the kitchen counter with your spouse to try to figure out do we have the ability to fund your account or this account um, or your 401k. For example, if you sit there and you you say, okay, does my spouse have a 401k? Are we maxing it out? The question shouldn't be, can we max out your 401k based on your salary? The conversation, at least in my opinion, should be, can our household afford to f- max fund your 401k? You know, it, it isn't just an individual discussion about how to do it. It's a joint discussion about how can we potentially save in all the different buckets as a household as we approach retirement. Right. And I think, again, that's that's good. And you have to ask yourself, uh, you know, are you in a better position uh, that you and your spouse can enjoy the kind of retirement you're both hoping for? That's a great question. What else does saving together mean? Yeah, so another factor that may... Uh affect a lot of people is that one spouse may not be working um, outside of the house and that's okay and that does not necessarily limit the ability to save for retirement because the great part is the tax code actually provides the ability for a stay-at-home spouse for example to still fund an IRA through through something called a spousal IRA. Um, so, So as you're thinking and planning for retirement, don't just think because only one person is working, we only can save via their retirement plans at work. There are still other ways using retirement accounts, specifically in this case, a spousal IRA that that you can use to continue to build your bucket of savings to help um, fill up uh, your retirement accounts. You know, this is also is a good example. I know considering what's going on in the economy, there's a lot of unemployed folks out there potentially um, money may be short, but just because you're unemployed also doesn't mean, you know, your, your spouse can't help continue to fill up your savings or your retirement savings account. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can get one of those tax deferred accounts for the benefit of your unemployed spouse. 
That's a exactly. that's a great idea, and a spousal IRA seems to be the kind of thing that could really be a valuable tool for a lot of people. What do you have next for us? You know, the, the next thing to think about is Social Security and how to take your benefits as a couple, right? Most of us understand that we, we each uh, work for a number of decades. We build up our own individual benefit from Social Security. But the truth of the matter is, and the power of that program is, if you plan, if you work with your spouse and work with a financial advisor to plan how to strategically take Social Security as a couple, uh, one, there can be ways to, to eke out extra benefits from the, the Social Security system, but it's also going to allow you to potentially create more annual income for yourself and avail yourself of some uh, different filing strategies. So it's very important when you're thinking about Social Security isn't just as simple as I'm going to take my benefit at age 62, the earliest part, and my my spouse is going to take theirs at age 65. Really, you need to look at it at a household level and figure out what strategically is the best way to take Social Security to create income, the best income on a, a yearly basis, but also a lifetime basis. Sure, and obviously with uh, Social Security benefits, uh, strategizing and, and, you know, looking at spousal benefits and when to file and maybe waiting yeah. to file in some cases, uh, that is huge. And, you know, we're talking today about how couples can and should prepare for retirement together, and I've enjoyed the conversation so far uh, what do you have next for us, Peter? So, Tony, during the, the retirement planning process, couples really need to consider their shared retirement income needs, right? So the way we do this or the way I suggest is that you, know, you may, it's going to be very hard for some people to say, well, I don't know what my budget is going to be in retirement. Well, it, it's a, you need to get a ballpark idea and, and a great place to start is create a budget for now, right? So you create a budget for now. You then kind of estimate some of the changes that are going to return, going to occur in retirement, whether that means decreased costs in, in commuting, what have you, and then add in some of your estimated costs for retirement plans, whether that's got more golfing, travel, etc. Now you've come up with a ballpark retirement budget that's going to allow you to figure out how much income you're going to need. And again, this is going to be an area where frank and open dialogue is really going to be key. You know, it's entirely possible that while you're you're thinking and crafting a workable budget, you know, you may think you only need half of your current income, but it may be quite eye-opening and you realize that, hey, we need a lot more money than I thought we needed to. And that's going to precipitate some decisions about how much more we need to put in savings now. How are we going to file maybe for Social Security differently? Those types of things. So it's important that you figure out what your, your ballpark retirement budget's going to be because that's going to help dictate the income needs down the road. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. That makes sense. And making sure that both people get their goals and expectations out in the open so they can be talked about and be considered, that's hugely important because the stakes are high and preparing for a comfortable retirement isn't the kind of process where either person wants to pull any of their punches. Uh, so that's huge. Uh, what do you have next for us? Well, Tony, the next thing I want to touch upon is, is talking about beneficiaries. We recently did a show about this uh, in legacy planning, but I want to touch upon it here because it's important for couples to make sure that their beneficiaries are up to date on all of their IRA accounts and even their savings accounts uh, and, and non-qualified accounts. It's important because we want to make sure that the primary beneficiary is your spouse on all of those accounts. That way, if something happens to you, their retirement plans aren't completely scuttled because uh, this money is now out there in limbo. The benef If the beneficiaries are up to date, then very quickly that money will be available to the surviving spouse so that they can continue to live uh, a decent life in a decent retirement. 
So again, it's it's very important in, in when you're planning all of this stuff to make sure the beneficiaries are always up to date. Yeah, there you go. And we've talked about beneficiary designations before on the show, and I, I know just how critical that can be. They take precedent even over uh, wills, uh, things yes. like that. So um, yep. how do people go about changing their beneficiaries? Yeah, it's a fairly simple process. Uh, Tony, if you have an IRA or Roth or any of those types of things, you can reach out to your brokerage firm or your or your financial professional and they'll help you take care of that. Uh, for your work plans, your 401ks or your 403bs or your pension plans, um, I would start with the human resources department at work and then they can uh, direct you or help you make sure that stuff is up to date. Sure. That seems simple enough. So what do you have for us next? So this is going to sound, this is not necessarily money, but it has to do with a little bit of counsel, couple, uh, uh, couple counseling, as I would call it. I would suggest for a lot of people that they don't necessarily retire at the same time, right? Retiring at the same time might sound like a lot of fun in a perfect situation, right? Because you can take trips together, do all sorts of different projects together. But the truth of the matter is retirement is a huge transition for people, right? You've been working for 30 or 40 years and now all of a sudden you're going to stop working. Sometimes people need time to to uh, get into a new daily routine, explore their goals and their social life outside of their home and outside of their work routine. And so I often suggest to people, and I'm not talking you have to have years between your retirement dates, but if you spread your retirements out over the course of a couple months or, or a half a year, it's going to allow both spouses to find their groove, let's say, in retirement, which is going to make a, a much more happy retirement experience for both of you. Ah, yeah, and that's what we're all striving towards, right? <laughs> Correct. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and you know, I never really thought about the notion of a couple staggering their retirement dates before uh, or looking at that. But now that you've explained it, it does make a lot of sense. And I can see how it would be a critical step in the planning. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I'm not talking you have to stagger it by years um, if you're in that situation, but staggering it by a couple month, months or, or a half a year is pro is going to pay a lot of dividends to allowing people to ex to explore um, how their retirement is going to look for them and, and to be comfortable in it. Again, it's a huge transition for a lot of people. Yeah. And moving ahead, uh, kind of uh, into our last segment of the show here, it, it, we've been talking about a few of the ways that couples can ensure that they're developing that plan for retirement that's going to work for each member and getting both <laughs> members of the couple uh, on the same page. Sometimes easier said than done, especially when it comes yeah. to finance. But when it comes to retirement planning, uh, it's key. And I think we've had a good conversation so far, right? Yeah, I would. I, I agree, Tony. So, Tony, in this last segment, I want to dive into some of the pitfalls to avoid when planning together as a couple. And in my opinion, the first thing that you should avoid is viewing money as my money and your money. This kind of harkens back to the beginning of this podcast. But, you know, uh, one of the things to specifically think about with money is has to do with the risk. And some one spouse, for example, may be inclined to be conservative in their investments uh, and their retirement money, while another spouse may be far more aggressive aggressive um, in the way they invest their money in retirement. And, and one of my biggest suggestions and, and advice that I give the folks is that when you're looking at things on a household basis, that you probably should take the more conservative approach or the spouse that is more conservative is probably the approach you should take when, when planning for reti your retirement needs. Well, I think that sounds like great advice, but are there actually situations out there where each spouse might be better off carving out their own retirement path? <laughs> 
Well, you know, Tony, I think there are some situations, uh, like for example, on a second or third marriage, where at this point, maybe each spouse is looking at their own needs and their own assets that that have come from different um, areas. But generally speaking, preparing for retirement as a team is going to be the smartest play for people. Yeah, uh, I think that's good advice. What do you have next for us? Tony, another common retirement mistake is not adequately considering the differences in life expectancy, age, and health. And this is obviously never a a great conversation because, yes, we're we're ultimately talking about death here, but it's a very important step to understand. And if there's a significant age difference between spouses, it becomes even more important. An age difference could mean that one spouse has to begin required minimum distributions from retirement accounts um, before the other spouse, which is going to have an effect on taxation. And the truth of the matter is, at some point, one spouse is going to pass away and leave a surviving spouse, and that's going to create um, some situations when it comes to Social Security, but most specifically, it's going to leave some sort of income gap that the surviving spouse is going to have to deal with. So at least having some sort of plan down the road for the fact that, hey, look, not everyone's going to live um, to the same age and die at the same time is critical uh, to make sure you're accounting for, not something to overlook. Well, yeah, and I'll admit that conversation about life expectancy doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> but no, you know, no, as you said, it's critical, though, right? Yeah, and one of the other things to think about too, Tony, is you know long-term care costs, right? Because yep. if you have uh, an age difference, then you know if some one of the spouses gets sick, there's going to be a cost that goes with caring for them. Um, and have you adequately? Uh, you know, plan for that within your um, retirement budget or retirement savings. So it's key. It's a key piece not to overlook is how are you going to deal with long-term care needs uh, should they arise? Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, that really drives the point home for me. And I think for a lot of our listeners out there, and I think great chat so far. So let's keep it rolling. What do you have next for us? Yeah, so the next thing I want to touch upon, Tony, is is one of the things that I often see with folks that are lucky enough to have pension, and it's at the end when they're given a choice, hey, now it's time to retire, you have a pension, they have to choose usually between a lump sum or a single life pension option, right? A, a pension that's going to pay out a, a amount yep. of money on a monthly basis. Yep. It's fairly common for a lot of people to cash in the pension in the belief that it's better to have the money now rather than having that money paid out during a lifetime. The truth is that oftentimes this is not necessarily correct. And if you do the math yourself to determine return, you're often going to be missing out some of um, the pieces like inflation or rate of return and those things that you may think are easily quantifiable often aren't. What I would say is sometimes it makes sense to cash it out and sometimes it makes sense to take the pension. It's really critical to sit down with a financial professional to figure out how is this pension really going to play into my retirement needs. Yeah, there you go. And obviously uh, the pension has kind of gone the way of the buffalo or has gone the way of the pension, as I like to say. So (laughs) not a lot of our listeners out there probably have a pension, but for those that do, that's good advice. So what do you want to, where do you want to go next? Yeah. So another thing I want to touch upon, Tony, is ignoring the difference in financial 
um, knowledge and experience in, in a couple's relationship. For example, in my own household, right, uh, I am the one that takes care of a lot of the finances or most all of them, and my wife doesn't necessarily have a, a clue on what's going on. And, and that's fine for her and that's fine for me, but the truth of the matter is as you get into retirement and something happens, let's say, to the spouse who's one, quote-unquote, in charge of the finances, that leaves the surviving spouse at quite a disadvantage. And so my recommendation to people is make sure that, you know, you necessarily don't have to necessarily give up your responsibilities as the one who takes care of the finances or monitors them, but there should be some sort of um, one education for the your other spouse to at least have an idea of what's going on, but also very clear guidelines and, and um, information about your financial situation it, should something happen to you so that they can continue on in retirement without much um, stress and anxiety. Yeah, there you go. And, and, and making sure that the surviving spouse uh, really, if they can't handle the finances on their own, they need to find a trustworthy person to help them with that someone like yourself, a financial advisor, uh, that seems incredibly important. Yeah, you're right, Tony. And remember, it's becoming an increasing issue of older Americans becoming targets for those who may not have their best interests at heart, right? Um, and that's why it's important to make sure that you have a, not only a financial service professional, but also one that's a fiduciary, right? One that is legally obligated to have their best interest, the the your surviving spouse's best interest at heart whenever they make a decision because you don't want the the individual um, sitting across the table taking advantage of your, of the surviving spouse. Yeah, there you go. And I think that's great advice. There's a lot of power in frank conversation and working with a professional. I think this is a good note and a good place to end our show today. You've given us a lot of great advice. But before we go, how can our listeners uh, meet with you if they have questions uh, want to see about working with you. I know you're offering a complimentary, no cost, no obligation consultation, correct? Yeah, that's right, Tony. So so we offer a, a no cost consultation, uh, either in person or virtually, um, that consists of two meetings, one to gather some information and then a second one for me to come back with some of my ideas. And, and in that conversation, we're going to talk about how are we planning for retirement? How are we planning um, our income? How are we dealing with taxation? How are we making sure that the investments that we have um, and that you have put into account, how are they going to grow yet still be protected? Um, should the market have a significant downturn? Um, how are we going to maximize Social Security over your lifetime? Um, and also, how should we set up an in a state plan. We're going to take all of these pieces together uh, and, and help you um, create a, a, a financial retirement plan that's going to hopefully stand the test of time, um, at least stand uh, the 20 or 30 years of your retirement. So if you're interested in doing that, give us a call at 866-360-2724 or visit us online at the IVAG.com uh, and we can start the conversation, set up a meeting and, and go from there. All right. That sounds great. Thanks, Peter. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of the Ivy Retirement Podcast with our host, Peter Laufenberg. Thank you for listening to the Ivy Retirement Podcast. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Peter Laufenberg at the Ivy League Advisory Group. Call 866-360-2724 or visit them online at theivag.com. 
Investment advisory services offered through the Ivy League Advisory Group, LLC. Hilton, New Hampshire, 866-360-2724. A registered investment advisor registered in the state of New Hampshire and Vermont. Peter Laufenberg and the Ivy League Advisory Group, LLC are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.